Hey everyone, this is Chet with Christian Hunters of America podcast. This is part two of our interview with Eddie Corona. This one's specifically talking about the Wounded Warrior Outdoors, where he has hosted some women's veteran camps in Southern Arizona for archery javelina, as well as some rifle coos deer hunts. As always, continue to follow along online. You can find Eddie on Outdoor Experience for All, which is www.oe4a.org, as well as christianhuntersofamerica.org. Thank you. All right, everyone, we're here for portion two of the Christian Hunters of America podcast with Eddie Corona. The previous one, we spoke about how impactful the outdoor experience for all uh, that Eddie runs, how it uh, impacts a lot of people's lives, not just the children or disabled warriors that get to experience uh, some tags that are donated or get to go out. This is uh, part two, and we're going to talk about the other component of his business that's the Wounded Warrior Outdoors. Thanks again for uh, speaking with us today, Eddie. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for asking, and thanks for having me. definitely gives us an opportunity to educate people about who we are and what we do. You said you had, uh, this is the other portion of the nonprofit. You you wear multiple hats, the Outdoor Experience for All and the Wounded Warrior Outdoors. Uh, what's the difference, and, and why why do you have two different organizations? When uh, In 2008, when Chris and I put together Outdoor Experience for All, you know, at that point, we were focusing on the Benevolent Transfer Clause, which only applied for kids. And 2009, we started pushing for the legislation change uh, for allowing veterans to come in, involved. And um, that didn't take place until House Bill 2303 was introduced in January of 2014. Finally, June of 2014, uh, it changed for us to be able to transfer permits to disabled veterans. In 2012, Chris and I were at the Dallas Safari Club International Expo and saw a fellow veteran rolling in his wheelchair. All he has is a right arm, no legs, no left arm. And he had a, a badge that they wear at these expos. Um, and the badge was uh, a, a vendor badge. So it wasn't a visitor badge or it was vendor badge. So I'm like, oh, said when they were outdoors, I'm like, what the heck is that? So I follow, Jim. man's name is Jim, Vietnam veteran. Um, follow him over there and goes to his Winter Wear Outdoors booth. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'm patriotic. What, what's it, this about? I've never seen this one before. And introduced myself, introduced the outdoorsman because I was there representing the outdoorsman. And um, um, they start telling me about it. Ron Rebode, uh, the founder, starts telling me about it. And, and then we ask, how, how can we help, you know? Chris and I were doing the kids. We were doing veterans yet, and we asked, "How can we help?" So that's the way it started. That was that was the how we became um, married to Wounded War Outdoors, and they told us what they did. So it was like that point. Now Wounded War Outdoors was also um, had to go through the Pentagon, a lot of red tape, and you know the focus of Wounded War Outdoors was to take enlisted men and women directly out of the hospital, but into the field. You know, our three trauma hospitals in the military, Walter Reeve, Bobo, and Brooke. So we would get men and women directly out of the hospital beds and work on the newly acquired challenges or disabilities they may have. So uh, that's that's all we did. We didn't do veterans yet. And having to start pushing for legislation change in 2009, uh, 
I had an opportunity to sit down with Larry Boyles at the time. He was a director of uh, Giving Fish Department and give him um, my ideas and why. And uh, and then he was able to partner up with someone else and they started pushing for those changes and they got them, which is awesome. Um, so uh, 2014 now we have tags that we can transfer to kid, you know, to uh, veterans and and so and in Arizona, you know, because we were a nonprofit, outdoor experience for all was strictly just for kids. We kept it just as a kid organization because, you know, we didn't want to jump on the bandwagon for with the veteran side as an organization. So we, we already started a relationship, you know, for a couple of years with the outdoor or Winter Warrior Outdoors. There's no reason for us to to do it any different. Um, uh, roll around till. You know, last year we finally married the veteran side with Outdoor Experience for All, but we're still going to flag the Wounded War Outdoors logo with us because we're still partners with them. We still work together. Um, But now, you know, for us, you know, we've been doing it so long that it would be silly for us not to finally marry marry both of them together. Sure, and that's part of the growth of any organization is growing, adapting, and and changing, you know, whatever that business model may be. I mean, what we know in businesses that fail is they become stagnant and they're not willing to adapt and change and to grow. And what you guys kind of experienced is you guys were very passionate, highly successful on the kids' side and doing amazing things and found another organization that became a partner, which a lot of organization businesses, you know, I think about most businesses, no, but there's very few businesses that could take two businesses and kind of mirror each other and become very, you know, oneness in a lot of ways. And I think that's a testament of outdoor experience for all is you guys took a successful business, mirrored it with another successful business that's across the country and was able to mirror both of them then over time to actually incorporate that that side of the other business into yours and still have a relationship going forward where normally when that happens, normally it's like a divorce. But here yeah. it's actually an enhanced marriage of of oneness because the bottom line is impacting the lives of others. Yep. We're talking about the, specifically on this one, we're going to be talking about the, the veterans, uh, veteran women's archery, javelin, and deer camp. Can you, Eddie, talk about... Um, why you specifically wanted to have a women's only camp and what's the the special reason behind that? Yeah, so uh, um, we always, when, when you think of, and, and everybody's gonna do it, if I tell you to think of a veteran, first thing that pops into your head is a man. You know, the first thing that pops into your head is a man, a disabled veteran, guy in a wheelchair, you know, uh, we all f- go back to Forrest Gump, you know, the Lieutenant Dan type deal. But we never think of the women's side. We never think of those who served our country. The majority are going to be men. But if they have children and they have a wife, they also served. They also served. And uh, the fact that, uh, you know, just because someone's overseas, that people back home are still serving with them. I mean, they're still going through those sacrifices. They're still going through all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you have the women's side, the female veteran, the, the female soldier that goes and serves our country. Um, you know, we never think that they, they're out there in the field. We never think that, um, you know, they're being shot at or killed. But they are. Um, 
we have numerous through window wire doors. We had uh, numerous amount of women come through there with prosthetic legs and so on and so forth. And start to take a look at that. I'm like, well, you know, uh, how how come how can we do something different? Because in my opinion, and I hope I'm wrong, you know, they're the forgotten ones, are the women, are veteran women. So we started doing uh, last last year, yeah, last year or 2019, we started putting together our first trial run with uh, women and uh, got to Idaho, good friend of mine, Daryl Nunez, it was at a, a camp with Candy Yao, a ladies camp, and all these women wanted to come hunt and for, for archery, javelina, and so on and so forth. And the, the, these ladies from around the United States, I'm like, well, let's put a camp together. So we we had some you know some non-veteran women and some veteran women come in, and it was a blast. So this year uh, we put a, a veterans camp together, and um, they they are tough, tough, tough. And I say tough, not in a tough way, like they're knuckleheads. They're tough because, you know, they see an animal way the heck out there. Oh, let's go. And we're like, I don't want to go there. I don't tell them that, of course, because, you know, I'm not going to give in to, you know, getting my butt handed to me by a woman because it happens a lot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. they're tough, tough women, man. Very determined. Um, they listened. They are, are great people. Uh, learn a lot from them. And, you know, creating an opportunity for them and listening. I spend a lot of time listening to their stories as they're making fun of each other. Um, and Paul Neese from Vortex was with me at this camp, and he and I just would compare notes later. <laughs> later at camp, you know, we, they had their own toy haulers, and then we had our own. And we said, like, I didn't realize they talked that way, or I didn't realize that, yeah. you know. They're so tough. I didn't realize this. And we're, we sit there and we're like, we start comparing others and chuckle because yep. they are. They're just human beings. We, we, yep. we may not give them that. that um, you prejudge them. And we, yeah, we yeah. Them. Boy, yep. are we wrong. Yep. Uh, but part of this, the whole deal is remem- reminding ourselves that, you know, when we think about a veteran, you know, we got to include our veteran women's in that. And, and I'm. And it's tough because, I, you know, Hollywood and society has drilled the veteran side of being a man. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But we have so many women involved with it. And um, one particular one, I mean, we had women from, uh, what do we have them from? Washington, from um, Wyoming, New Jersey, Florida, Alaska, Arizona. Um, and so all these ladies flew in, and you guys made arrangements to get them picked up and yeah. take them down to camp too. On top yeah. of that, on top of just showing up in a camp and taking them, you're actually coordinating, helping coordinate yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah. So they fly in, oh. and you know, they all apply for their tags, and then we go, and uh, well, from Nevada as well, they came from, and uh, we, uh, we you know, fly, have them fly in or drive in, however they want to do it. Um, Tucson, uh, you know, we arrange rides, and I'm, I am the Uber. You know, just back and forth, and and you know, they arrive on the either the thirty first or the first, and we'll stay there for at least anywhere from eight to ten days. Wow, that many days! Yeah, with everybody together. Yeah, incredible. Yep, and and you know, the logistics behind that is incredible. Knowing on some of the camps that we put on, um, we don't have that many people coming in. You know, they're mostly in state, so I can only imagine the logistics of 
one, getting all that put together and having the transportation like you're talking about on all these women or any and all their friends and family that could potentially be coming are any of them coming by themselves or are most of them bringing somebody as well come by themselves okay um only nevada there was two from elko nevada they came down they drove hmm. down and there was it was just a blast um i'm you know you learn some up from them um one particular one amanda she's out of alaska Amanda and I hunted together a few days, and uh, as we progress and talk and talk about stuff, and then at, in the evening we would sit at, you know, like, pardon me, it's just the campgrounds, and they have a, a, you know, the little, the office where they call it, and everybody sits there and eats. That's where we would have our meals, and then they start comparing notes as far as like, you know, what kind of things they went through, as. Uh, enlisted woman and there's a lot of new terms um you know where some of these women are being sexually abused um um which you don't want to hear from a patriot side you know how could you exactly that's un-american or that's un whatever you don't want to hear period but um you know it, it tarnishes at least it tarnished my view of the military but those people who chose to um, do that didn't do it under the flag of the military they did it under the flag of the way they were brought up mm -hmm. you know so if, at least that's a trick i put in my own mind to to justify not to tarnish what i believe in the, the american uh, military um so there's some stuff that i never knew happened to them that they seek help for and, and they start talking about it amongst themselves and obviously I have nothing to share but to listen and try to um, try to get educated some more uh, not that I could I'm hoping I can make an impact on someone else's life but you know just trying to understand some of the stuff that these uh, women have gone through in, in, the, in their service to the military and you know and it wasn't easy. And nothing, serving in any military is not going to be easy. I've never served myself, but I could only imagine talking to a lot of the veterans. Um, the, the difference between like a guy's veteran camp and a women's veteran camp is that the women are more open about communicating with each other. Um, as far as sharing some of the stuff and they, and they get into detail. You know, and if we all know our wives, why, 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 why? You know, mm -hmm. well, they want details, and we're like, oh, wow, why don't you even ask that? Because it doesn't matter to me. I don't know. Yep. But same thing applies with them. They, they start asking more details, and, and we sit back there and just listen. Paul and I would just listen and, you know, keep our heads down and, and try to get some education and, and knowledge to help, hopefully, help us better understand their positions and how we can um, potentially add some relief to whatever things they might be going through. Uh, and then on top of the veteran woman, I mean, some of the differences is talking to some of our guys, some of the stuff they go through. Um, with a woman, they still, you know, they have to hold, I mean, we think about mom, we think about 
how she held our families together, you know. Who made breakfast? You know, mom. Who made lunch? Mom. Dinner? Mom. Did we help out? Sure. Um, so that's still the same thing, you know, the, taking the responsibility as a mother um, carries a lot more weight than a father in many parts. Not all of them, mm-hmm. but for the most part. You know, if you're, unless you're a single dad, then you understand. But for the most part, you know, at least the way I woke up, well, I grew up and looking at our scenario is, you know, mom, mm-hmm. you know, she cracked the whip. She got, she was in control, boy. She was the CEO. Yep. You know, dad was there as he was along there for the ride. Yeah, huh? just along there for the ride. It's <laughs> like the old, the old, I would say an old saying is, uh, you know, um, in my house, I wear the pants, but my wife's the belt that holds them up. And yep. the reality is that that's, that is, that is, and, uh, um, making an impact in our decision makers because, uh, you know, in my life, uh, growing up uh, in my career of uh, car sales, working in the auto industry, we always talked about, if you want to sell a car, you better be talking to her. You know, the reason why they're there is because he already knows what he wants. He needs your help to convince her to say yes. You know, so you always focused yep. on, on the woman. If you yep. focused on the guy, you weren't selling a car that day. Yep. And so um, uh, they are so impactful, and, and especially with the veteran side, you know, trying to make a, a difference, uh, trying to increase opportunities for these ladies to come out there and explore. Um, obviously, uh, didn't know that you know we're going to experience this this season, and we did uh, when they went out there and they started talking amongst each other, and and you know coming as strangers because all you did is meet on a thread that I put together on Facebook. And then you leave, you know, and now they're just chit-chatting, can't wait for the next one to come around. Yep, so you got ladies from all over the country coming to hunt in the name of, for uh, Archery Javelina Camp, and and it turned in so much more where even though they may be chasing Javelina and having that opportunity to hunt, but it's more about the fellowship and and building the relationships and talking about the common things that, that impact them that they can actually share. You know, I'm sure a lot of them hold a lot of that stuff in, but when you get... Like you said, you get a group of like-minded individuals, especially on the women's side, that have went through some of those military struggles. They're able to have some of that freedom because there's no boundaries, there's no fear, and it's more of just a like almost like a release kind of form. That's part of the healing process, I think, is being able to share those experiences when they you put on a camp that they feel comfortable and they're surrounded. They have a common bond already, but that that they were that they were veterans, and yeah, that those two ladies are from. Nevada and that lady's from Arizona and that lady's from Alaska but when they start talking and they do let their guard down a little bit in the sense that they all share a common experience that they all serve this country and part of that healing process is is speaking about some of the the trials and tribulations that they've experienced and then it's it's encouraging I'm sure to hear that others went through that and how they've survived how they've adapted and how some of the hardships that they've overcame uh, made them stronger women. So we applaud you for putting on 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 those camps as well and, and giving them a safe environment where they felt comfortable to share those stories. And like you said, um, we haven't walked, you know, a mile in their shoes, and it's, it's good just to sit there and listen because it, it makes us better people, better men, um, and listening to the hardships that they've overcome. 
And sometimes that's what they need. They just need to get certain things off their chest and, and speak about those um, instances that they, they occurred. And if you're just sitting there listening and they all share those experiences that they've had, whether it comes from any branch in the military, mm-hmm. um, I think that helps them as, as they talk those things out. And, and a lot of us are shocked by some of the stuff that they've experienced because you don't, you don't want them to have to have gone through that. You don't want them to have um, any type of harassment or any abuse whether verbally or physically, and, and it, it, it pains you to hear that they are treated differently than uh, some of our male veterans. But that's how a lot of those camps differ, correct? That yeah. on how, how vocal they are, how, how much they are willing to share that information where some of them you know, are extroverts or introverts and don't want to be able to, to communicate some of that healing that they've gone through or, or some of the pain that they've experienced. But you being able to, to put on these camps, um, like you mentioned before, in, in some of the other conversations, how does that become a, a bouncing block for you guys to somewhat kind of turn into that, that counselor type role and not just a, a hunting mentor? Uh, <clears throat> one of the biggest things is obviously is listening. Um, and and the experience you gain from that is, you know, when somebody shares something with you, um, you know, what do you do then? If they're sharing an experience and they're going through something, then and the only way I'm going to learn is to continue to contact with them and ask them, how are you doing? How are you dealing with that deal we talked about? And doing two things. One is you're, you're actually showing concern, you know, one. The other part is also holding them accountable. If it bothers you that much to talk to bring or bring it up, what are you doing with it? And you're hoping that they're dealing with it and then ask them, how are you dealing with it? Because I want to know. Um, and this is. And how you're dealing with it in a positive way. Right. So, so, and the reason I'm asking that question is because it's accountability. The accountability is that uh, it's manipulation, I guess you can call it. Uh, it is what it is, but go in with a plan and ask them, um, you know, how are you dealing with, the, you know, I'm going to call it situation A. How are you dealing with situation A? And they're asking, well, this, this, and that. The reason I'm asking is because I have another veteran with the same type of scenario, same situation, but you're further ahead than they are. So I need you to teach me to teach them. This could be all BS, sorry. Yeah. But they don't know that. But forcing them to deal with that situation because someone else is waiting for their results so they can make, help someone else um, is a way of you know, making sure that they deal with it. And then because someone else in their mind is waiting for that result, they're going to do everything possible to deal with it the best way they can. So they're not going to slack off. I, by doing that setup, sure. hopefully they're not listening to me so that way they don't know what I do to them. You know, doing that setup is... Yeah, none, everybody listening, uh, Eddie doesn't use this ruse on, on all of you. <laughs> you know, doing that setup is, you know, forcing them to, to, uh, to deal with a situation, forcing them to, 
to uh, hopefully <clears throat> find a solution, a good solution for themselves or the best solution based on the information that they have or based on how far they're willing to push themselves. If I, if I tell, oh, I'm dealing with it, I'm, oh, I'm doing this. But if I tell him or her, hey, by the way, that situation, hey, yeah, I've got another person over here, but, but it's further back than you are. You know, what are you doing so I can help them? Yep. You know, but they don't know what I'm doing that. So sure. counseling, yes, th- that happens. Both, both, yes, that I am fictitiously building someone else back here, telling them that someone else is waiting for them. But it also happens to where I do have someone back there waiting for more information from these people. Sure. And so they're able to educate me to help them. The same token, I'm learning. And then I can say, hey, by the way, you know, we have another veteran going through what you are going through. They already went through it. This is the way they handled it. Mm-hmm. And then I ask them for permission. If they want to talk to you, are you okay with that? Yep. And then sure, sure. At, at that point, they can share that information and it's opening the door. Um, uh, Jim Sersley, the guy I talked about earlier from uh, Dallas Park, a Vietnam veteran with a single arm, you know, um, guy is just a brilliant, brilliant man, one of my war heroes. And so I asked him, hey, what's the difference between you guys back in the Vietnam era and the soldier today? He goes, social media. Our social media is going to the VFWs, going to the Elks Lodges, going to the, that type of, you know, mm-hmm. t- type of it's the social, yeah, it's the social side gathering. It's, mm-hmm. Whereas today, social media is a cancer to our veterans because, you know, they got to put up this front. And I, and I think this is for anybody. It's not just our veterans. They put up this front that... Everything's okay, and we all become keyboard jockeys. You know, I am doing great. I'm everything, blah, blah, blah. The reality is you're not. But because you said it, and those people, you have all these like buttons. Everybody's go, oh, my God, you know, Mike's doing great. It's like it, like it, like it. Now you have to live up to that because, you know, you you sold that. And so that was the biggest thing he told me is that, you know, social media is not allowing our veterans to to heal. There's the something huge about that personal contact. You going and speaking to somebody um, in any line of work, it's it's like a, a dying art of being able to communicate with another human being because so many people text, so many people use social media, like you said. There is so much more impactful uh, help that you can give or gain by you going and speaking to somebody, like you said, talking to them face to face or them going and speaking to somebody at the Elks Lodge or VFW um, can assist you and them so much more than than texting them. It's even even picking up a phone and calling them, you hear things in their in their tone of their voice versus a text message. Right. All it takes is just some decent human communication of really reaching out and going and visiting them in person or or talking to them over the phone and not just texting or or hitting them up on social media and stuff like that. Yep. And and that's, you know, so for us to have uh you know, a camp specifically for the woman and for the veteran woman um, creating that environment even if it's for 
five days or 10 days, creating that environment for them to be able not to have to be a mom, not have to be a wife, not have to be, you know, anyone but her, Mm -hmm. herself, amongst other women. And like you said, the communication, once that happens, it's it's just snowballs from there. Um, And if we can create more and more of that, then it's easier for 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 that ball, hopefully to get rolling fast enough and long enough to make an impact on all of our veterans, period. Um, I know like with, uh, with our men veterans, you know, they also have their, their, their struggles. Um, you know, they're, they're a little more um, like we all are. We shut down. Mm-hmm. You know, we are stubborn. Um, don't let my wife hear me say that because then she'll hold that against me. Oh yeah, but, but we're stubborn, and we like we 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 are fixers. That we fix stuff. That's mm-hmm. what we do. We fix. Yep. You know, and our wives are the caretakers. You know, they tell us how to fix it. You know, or what needs to get fixed. Exactly. Uh, so, um, you know, the, from the psychological side, is trying to create those environments to better help themselves, and uh, and and try to knock down the stereotypes of like, well, you know. You were in the military, so therefore you got to be tough all the time. Well, no, you don't have to be. You know, you just got to know when to be. Yep, and, and that's the difference. And and, and so the, with the guy side, it's so much easier because, um, I mean, they're you know just look at us here. There's four of us in here. Yep, you know, doing this stuff. And um, I think it's for my men's side. Men had life easier sometimes. Not all the time, sometimes, mm-hmm. than a female does. So creating that environment, creating uh, what I call the chicken coop uh, for the clucking to begin. And the more chickens we have in there, the more clucking we're going to hear. And the more clucking we're going to hear, the more expression we're going to hear. Uh, so if we can create that environment for our veteran women, then hopefully we'll hear <clears> more <throat> clucking because they're sharing it and opening up themselves more. Um but there's there's just a, I'm, I'm hoping that that we're able to create more environment for our female veterans for them to be able to do that and and open up and create a, uh, an environment for them to want to come back and go heck yeah, and then next year tell them well bring another veteran woman in with you, or bring another woman period, yep. you know that could benefit from making. Do you have a lot of repeat? Um, veterans that are one able to come to one of your camps again, or that are able to go and assist um, for future for future hunters. Yeah, uh, we have. So, great, great question. Let me backtrack a little bit on it because when we first started this with Outdoor Experience for All, you know, other organization that was out there was only doing it. A one-time wham bam thank you ma'am um or you can only do one hunt and then you were done mm-hmm. um there's other organizations that provide wishes and you know you look at them because they're successful and there's a lot of money involved and you go out well, with they can provide such a such a wish then obviously they're they're they works so you look at it and you start thinking about I take a look at my own upbringing, you know, I'm I'm one of eight kids. My father died when I was four. My mom brought us up, uh, welfare, government cheese, food stamps, you know, all that stuff. So, uh, you know, what makes us different from 
my other siblings is the choices we made. We grew up in the same household, ate off the same table, food prepared by the same person, same neighborhood, same school, sometimes the same teachers, sometimes the same coaches. Differences, the choices we make. So creating that environment for for um, for other people to make better choices is what we're after. And then you have the, um, man, I forgot where I was going there. But anyway, um, with our with our women, you know, it's just making it making it, making make it a better place for them. Exactly. And I'm going to go back to, um, I, I believe you brought all these ladies in to a Havelina camp. Mm-hmm. So you're taking them out. You're teaching them how to glass Havelina, how to find Havelina, which is an amazing thing, especially <laughs> if you haven't never seen a Havelina out in the wild. Then to get them with a bow and arrow, to get them into a stock position, and then to even give them a possible opportunity at a, at a shot, then to have them come back to a camp where they're excited and got experience all that, which starts all that chatter as you talked about, you know, the, the hens in the in the chicken coop chatter. And I think that's where we sometimes forget is the hunt brings these people that get experience something they've never done before. Then they come back all excited, talking about what they saw, what they didn't see, the stock or or whatever that happened. Then they're laughing and giggling, kind of reliving that day. Then it kind of leads into the more in-depth stuff as the night goes on. Then the next morning they get to start all over again and have the excitement and find them and all that. So you want to kind of talk about how the hunting, you know, kind of goes in that direction and actually creates a fun, exciting culture that, even though you may dive into some of that deep stuff that we just talked about, mm-hmm. but there's a whole nother world of the excitement and joy and, and the peace and everything else that kind of happens throughout the day of hunting together. Yeah. So, um, you know, creating an environment. You know, what is the goal of the camp? And in this case was for, to create an environment for, for our female veterans that they can open up. And then taking a look at how a camp, you know, is set up and how a camp flows. So we wake up in the morning. From a hunting standpoint, you know, we can all say, you know, do you sit down and make bacon and eggs and pancakes and a whole deal in the morning before you go out and hunt? No. 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 If you have a microwave, you're throwing at some croissant, egg, and cheese in a nuker yep. or some instant oatmeal with hot water and a cup of coffee if you're lucky. Yep. Grab a granola bar, banana, and get the heck out of touch. Yep. That's pretty much the way we all work it, right? Yep. Then at lunchtime, if you come back to lunch, back to camp, you come back to camp, you're like, uh, what do I want to do? You don't really have a set lunch. If you take lunch with you, it's cold cuts, sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Tip exactly. chips, fruit, water, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Right? And then dinner. Who the heck knows when dinner is because you don't know what time you're getting back. And if you're by yourself, it's easy. But if you were like four or five other people, yep. you're like, uh, we're all going to try it all to eat together. How are we going to do this? Does that ever work out? Not normally. No. It's hard and stuff. Right. So sometimes, you know... Hey, we already put the food away because we don't know how long it's going to take, but we're going to reheat it. And it happens. So taking a look at that flow and trying to figure out, okay, how, how can we create a social environment? And sometimes the social environment takes place at the campfire. Yep. You know, and everybody's fighting the smoke and everybody's fighting, you know, the heat. Uh, and then during this time, trying to get everybody to participate in that social Gathering, well, who the heck is going to clean up? 
well, who the heck is going to cook? So at that point, you're like, okay, well, how do we create that? How do we how do we eliminate the dinner side? Because the dinner side is the worst side. Then especially you're going to be there for 10 days. That means you got to buy food for how many days? 10 days. Mm-hmm. How much dinner? Where are you going to store it all? You yep. know, and who's going to cook it? How, how, you know, how are we going to stay to the plan? So what we did this year, uh, I was over at Lachesta Campgrounds, you know, uh, it was uh, our youth camp the week before Thanksgiving. And I'm saying bye to Steve, settling up with him. Um, and Rebecca pops in. And Rebecca is one of the locals there. And she's asking one of the other employees, if, you know, hey, do you have a little propane tank? I need to crumble flame the crumble whatever dessert she's making. I didn't know she was a baker. You know, she's baking stuff. And and she goes, no, I don't. And I said, well, this should have some at the store. She goes, no, they're right now. And I'm doing this dessert for this event, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going, well, I have an extra one here at my trailer. See that open door? Yeah, just go ahead and grab it. It's right there on the side. Knock yourself out. So she goes, grabs it, comes back and says, thank you. I said, well, you say you're baking for an event. What do you do? And she goes, well, I do catering and baking. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, I do catering and baking. So she, I asked her for a business card. She gave me a business card. So now I'm going, hmm, wait a minute. So now it comes down to price. Then I had to put a value on how much time is it worth for me to go shop for all that? How much time is it worth for me to go store all that? And if we all get done in five days instead of 10 days and they all go home, how much waste is there? You know, so now, now it comes, comes down to the dollars and sure. putting value on what time is worth. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So I called Rebecca back up. I said, Rebecca, can you send me a menu of the things that you make? And if it's possible, can you put a price on it? She goes, no problem. How many people? I said, let's figure 12. So she sends me a menu, and it's like you have uh, you know, chicken alfredo with a Caesar salad and garlic bread you know, with the side of collard green beans or whatever. 13 bucks. Like, what? Cheap. I said, you're joking. She goes, no. And I'm like, sign me up. So, on, you know, Friday nights is pizza night. So we order pizzas. And then so she had a meal for everybody. And then we had one of our girls from from, Florida, or from Nevada was gluten-free. So she was able to make a gluten-free meal for her, the whole deal. So what did I created? We created a happy hour. Dinner is going to show up at 6.30 at La Siesta. Mm-hmm. She's going to have it all serving there, you know. Yep. And she drops it all off, sets it all up. And from 6 to 6.30, we would have a, a social gathering. If somebody wants to have an adult beverage, they could. Mm-hmm. Or if we just want to sit there and relax or wash up, yep. you know, from 6 to 6.30, it's, you know, wash up cleanup time, we call sure. it happy hour. Sure. And then at 6.30, we all sit down and have meal together. You know, and that's when we're comparing what took place. Oh, yeah, we saw this, we saw that. And then afterwards is dessert. So during dessert is when the ladies were yep. opening up a little more. Creating a creating a social environment, yep. and and having the ability to do that, but you know we had to take a look at what the process of a regular camp is and yep. what we're trying to tweak that to be. Yep, uh, t- you know took a long way to get there, but yep. But you purposely made that two three hours that everybody's going to be there, and that's yeah. the time that we're going to fellowship basically. Yeah, and so uh, not knowing exactly how. You know, things were going to happen or how people were going to react. It was awesome. 
And I sat back there and I was like, I thought I was on top of the world. Man, I'm so smart. You know, I just got lucky. Yep. And and uh, but um, no, so that really really helped. And and we noticed that at least with me, because this is the first time I met some of these women. You know, we were, you know, I felt more comfortable being around them. They felt more comfortable being around me. Um, you know, we, you know, you're out there in the forest hunt, hunting and camping, and you know, oh yeah. You pass a little gas or something, it's because you've built that comfort level. Exactly. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, so, it's, it's exactly. It's just part of the natural. It's the yeah. natural progression of friendship and fellowship that, you know, that there's no fear of no of a, of a wall that you have to build. It's actually letting people be who they are. Yeah. One of the ladies I'm going to talk about, her name is Amanda. And Amanda went to the University of Arizona um, and met. I think it was after she got out. I don't know. No, she was still in the military. Anyway, so she ended up marrying a boy out of Tucson, uh, Justin T. Gallegos, Staff Sergeant Justin T. Gallegos in the Army. And um, Jennifer out of Florida, she's out of the Navy. And Jennifer and I were talking about, because Jennifer also helps other veterans mm -hmm. deal with stuff, and they were talking about a movie called The Outpost. You guys heard me talk about it earlier, mm -hmm. and, and they use that for um, for therapy, um, and you know, based on what Jennifer told me, it's one of the most realistic movies that men and women who have served say this is the most realistic experience that I've ever felt in a movie. Mm -hmm. um, as it turns out, that we start talking about it, and Amanda goes. My husband died at that battle. Hmm. And we're all hmm. looking at each other like, how do we do with this? You know, She goes, no, it's okay. You know, His name is Justin T. Gallegos out of Tucson. Hmm. And so now, here I am. I'm like, oh, man, you know, based on what Jennifer has told me, now there's more to the story with Amanda. And, and, and she goes, you got to watch that movie. So I did. And highly recommend it to everybody, by the way. And... Um, um, but you never know how it all is going to come around. Yep. Here we are talking about a movie for therapy, and then this other woman over here from Alaska, Florida and Alaska, there's a tie, you know, um, of, of, of something happening together. <laughs> and how do we all come together on that one? Is you know, sharing the fellowship of being outdoors. Yep. Uh, and, you know, creating an environment uh, to talk about. It. And then Jennifer had some other questions for Amanda. Amanda had Jennifer... I stayed. I stopped. I stepped out of that conversation because it was about something that you know I For had. Sure. And I, I, I shouldn't know about it. It's none of my business. And so they talk about that stuff, and mm -hmm. um, which is healthy, which yeah. is good for them to talk yeah. about. Sure. It, and so, um, but anywho, but you know, it's just a small world. Um, and now Amanda uh, and you know Staff Sergeant Gallegos, they, they had a child, and in. Guess where we're putting them in for? <laughs> you know, yeah, the 36A, 36B yeah. youth deer hunt. Yep. It's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. So, legacy. Yep. So now we get a chance to to take a kid from Alaska whose grandparents live in Tucson and bring him down to hopefully do a hunt. That's awesome. That's and awesome. As, his, as his mom is a disabled veteran, 
uh, she's going through the process of uh, qualifying for the benevolent transfer clause. Um, you guys mind if I talk about the qualification no, for that? Absolutely. Okay. No, absolutely. Sounds great. So as we're rolling into the qualification, you know, what, what qualifies a veteran? Um, and, you know, pretty much what it comes down to is uh, someone who served our country and while serving our country, they were injured and the injury leaves you, leaves them with the use of a mechanical device or another person with physical mobility. And that's paraphrased down uh, from House Bill 2303. So what is exactly that means? Depends. If we're in court, it's a good attorney or, you know, what the definition is. Uh, but who knows a disability better than a doctor or the own, this person? Uh, when we first started uh, putting that up there, the, the qualification, you know, on our website, we put on there, you know, it's like, okay, you know, we, I want to find out where your disability is so I can try to qualify you. Well, unbeknownst to me, I was breaking the law because it is illegal for me to ask a disabled person what their disability is based on the American Disability Act. Then at the same token, then if I can't ask you what your disability is, how do I find out if you qualify for the benevolent transfer clause? I was at a catch-22. Three attorney calls later, uh, you know, being told they can't do this, and I'm asking, well, if I can't, if I can't ask them what the disability is to qualify them, then why should I put myself in, in harm's way legally? And, well, we don't want you to do that. I said, well, they'd help me. Well, we can't. So Chris and I were about to just dump the whole program on the disabled veteran side because legally we were trying to figure this thing out. We weren't, we weren't being allowed legally to ask them what the disability is. We're sitting there, and one of our kids is going to go get a, um, a CHAMP permit, a CHAMP for a Challenge Hunter Access Mobility Permit, uh, a special permit for people who are uh, physically challenged and, and need some help. So I'm reading the CHAMP permit, and it doesn't ask me what the disability is. It just gives me a definition of the qualification. And that's when the light bulb went off. I'm like, oh, crap. So we changed our application from asking what's your disability to put it on there. This is the qualification. And in order for us to, to uh, be able to determine whether that person qualifies or not, we there's a page, there's a four-app page, or there's a four-page application in our website for the veteran and also the kid. And on page three, it has a signature for the doctor. It says, this is, in, in your opinion, and uh, you know, Michael, blah, 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 qualifies for the benevolent transfer clause, which is, you know, spells it all out. If, you know, as you as a professional medical provider, you sign off that they qualify. Mm -hmm. So that took the monkey off our back. Sure. It takes the monkey off the gaming face department's back. Sure. It takes, you know, it, because yeah, we don't know. We, we <clears throat> At that point, we're like, ah, oh, oh, yeah. like, you know. The lights come on. Everybody's happy. We were able to uh, to get more more veterans out there and more kids out there. So now we went from having you know a hundred veterans and a hundred kids combined to over three hundred now. That's great. And so you know, and, and now you, now you have more opportunities because you know you found a way to uh, yep to open up more floodgates. That's great. That's great. Anyway. How can someone that wants to help after hearing this, I think we're, you're going to get a lot of volunteers. How how can someone reach out to you and and get involved in these veteran camps, specifically just the 
the female, the women's veterans camps that they want to assist on? And that one's um, Tammy Agee is our veteran, or Tammy Agee, she handles our uh, volunteers. Uh, and currently we're going through um, having a new website built. So we're going to have her contact information there so that way, um, you know, we're able to flow it a little easier for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same token, they can contact me. Uh, again, my phone number is 480-529-8340. And I can get in contact with uh, Tammy. Uh, when it comes to the veteran side, um, yeah, contact me. Um, it's a little different from the veteran side than the youth side. The youth side, um, you know, if anybody wants to volunteer, it's awesome. Um, but at the same token, uh, you know, I have to make sure that the parents are okay with it. Yep. Because, you know, we got to protect our kids. Yep. Um, and we're not going to do anything without the approval of the parents. Yep. With the veteran side, it varies. It varies on personalities. Um, I've been on camps with some of our veterans that everybody's kumbaya, hugging and kissing and doing all that stuff. We're all getting along. And I've been some other ones where, you know, some are angry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to... You know, you, you want to say it's possible, but it is possible. You, you got to make sure that you're looking over your shoulder a lot. Yeah. So from the veteran side, I'm out, I, I have to uh, pick and choose yep. who's coming and who's not based on the personalities or the attitudes we're going to have that camp. For sure. And so there's, like you said earlier, there's there's more than just putting a camp together. You got to... Yep, the logistics. You, all the logistics. logistics that, there's so much involved with it because at the end of the day, we want everybody to have a good time. We want everybody to come back with something good. And then, you know, the follow-up, calling them up. How was it? What would you do different? You know, yep. you know, was, was there any personality stuff? You know, what would you do different? And, and you know, I hate making that phone call because then, you know, Constructive nobody, criticism. Yeah, nobody wants to know yep. that, you know, it's like, exactly. oh, well, you know, your haircut or whatever, you know. Yeah. And but you know, there's a little bit of that, and I ask me, man, the only way we're going to get better is if you share it with me. Yep. It's you know, I, I, you know, I like to believe that I can leave my ego at the door, and my wife helps me get there. My wife helps me get it there all the time. So, yep. um, uh, and so be able to do that stuff and be able to, to uh, yep. really uh, allow yourself to to like you said, you know, constructive criticism and and open up and just go, okay, what is this about? Is it about me? Nope. It's got absolutely nothing to do with me. Yep. It's all about them. And I think that goes back to your original statement. This ain't just a one-and-done camp. This is a lifelong fellowship and building relationships uh-huh. where it's not just hurting people in, they get their thrill, then they're gone, then you never hear from them again. It's actually about the reoccurring and making a difference in the lives of others through fellowship, long-term relationships, and actually understanding what's the cause and effect that's actually going to help them you know, accomplish whatever that they want to accomplish in their personal lives from a veteran's perspective or a child's that gives them that peace of joy and happiness and excitement through the outdoors. Yeah, I mean, um, I know that for me, um, you know, my, my mom and dad came from Mexico um, and we have a ranch down in Mexico. You know, being one of eight kids and being raised by my mom after my father passed away was a tough deal. But I didn't know we were poor until I was in high school. Had no clue. Of course, you know, social media today tells you right away, you know, what's up with you. Oh, yeah. Um, 
But I look forward to my summers all the time because in the summers, I mean, a week after I was done with school here, I was gone. Yep. And I'd go down to the ranch in Mexico and go work. And my job was to clean both sides of the fence all the way around that property. You know, go like 10 yards on each side, knocking trees down with an ax. And, and my grandpa would uh, give me a string of donkeys. My, my grandma would make me some burritos. And, and I had three three uh, axes with me and a couple of files. And I'd go out there with my water and hammer away. I, You know, back then I was in shape. Now I'm just round. But, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? So yep. you, you got out there in the outdoors, and it made me feel invincible in the outdoors. You were just like, wow, you know. Yep. Um, peaks and valleys. I look at them. There's yep. a book called Peaks and Valleys that, where I use that. That's the whole peaks and valleys deal. And from this book is pretty much, you know, when you look at when you're in a valley and you're in a canyon, how far can you see? Yep. All you can see is up. Yep. When you're on top of that mountain and top of that peak, how far can you see? You can see forever. Yep. And the only way to see that is to be outdoors. Yep. Uh, so. Uh, for me, you know, what created what created happiness was just simple as being outdoors. Yep. Uh, so when we start doing stuff with uh, with kids or veterans or wh- whoever, you know, man, let's get the outdoors. That's that's step number one for me. Yeah. And, and yep. creating that environment out there for them yep. and for myself. You know, I'm, it's all good stuff. Sounds good. Okay. As we finish up, any last uh, questions yet? Before I think we. Kind of showed everybody kind of another phase of outdoor experience for all and, and the impact of, of the veteran side and uh, the impact, especially with, when it comes to the ladies. So, Yeah, and one last thing, uh, you know, we have, uh, um, you know, people always ask, how can we help you? How can we help you? Well, we're trying to create uh, another veteran camp in the 36A, 36B hunts, and that's for the the day after Thanksgiving hunts, um, um, we've been doing it with with our veteran men, but now we want to create the women. Have a we have a veteran guy camp, and then we have a women veteran camp, and I want to create one combined uh, and a controlled environment. So that's the one we're gonna need the most help with. So if you you know you don't hunt, but you want to help out, you can always apply for one of those t- permits. You know, for 36B or 36A, the after Thanksgiving, then you can donate it to us, and we can transfer that permit to a qualifying individual. Um, but you know, or just give me a call. Yep, give me a call. And, how, and what's the phone number? One more time. Phone number is four eight zero five two nine eight three four zero. And your website, or and if they want to send you an email, yeah, uh, Corona two thousand at cox.net, Eddie E D D Y at oe four a dot org. Uh, or my uh, website is www.oe4a.org, outdoorexperienceforall.org. That sounds great. Okay, so we want to thank you, Eddie, again for coming in. Thanks. Uh, it's an incredible, you know, when we think about a business and an organization that truly wants to make a difference in the lives of others, I think that's kind of what, what your business and what, what you guys have built through the Wounded Warrior Outdoors mm-hmm. and Outdoor Experience for All. So with that, and as everybody knows, we'll, we'll end in prayer, and uh, we thank you guys for following along. So Lord God in heaven, we come to you, Lord, just giving you all praise and glory. We thank you, Lord, that you impact us, Lord, that we have the heart to serve, Lord. And as we know that through this these two organizations, Lord, that is a servant heart, Lord, to give back to others in the name of hunting, but really it's about
about the impacting of the lives of making a difference that they can find that joy, peace, and happiness, and excitement, and fellowship, and new friends, and everything that goes on with the the healing as as the wounded warriors, and as we learned about some of these females, Lord, that that you created. Um, in an outdoor hunting experience, Lord, we just ask that you continue to bless Eddie, Lord, and as that as the Wounded Warrior Outdoors progresses, Lord, and we just ask that you bless all those veterans out there, Lord, that just may need just a, a glimmer of hope, Lord, and, and if any of them out there, Lord, that would have the interest in hunting and, and trying to experience an outdoor environment, you know, for five to ten days or even two days in southern Arizona, Lord, we just ask that you would touch them and give them encouragement, Lord, to reach out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Christian Hunters of America podcast. If you have any prayer requests or you require any information, please look us up on christianhuntersofamerica.org or you can reach us on Facebook or Instagram under Christian Hunters of America. Christian Hunters of America.